Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I don't know how many of you remember the 33 Chilean miners who spent 69 days on the ground. There was a movie made about it as well that I thought was a great movie depicting what what took place. In, In the real story of what took place, whether it happened in the movie or not, one of the miners who was part of that uh was part of that company waiting for his friends to be rescued, he said this: There are the risks that go with our jobs. It is the only life we know. It's our way of life, and it's our way of death. End quote. If you watched any bit of that on TV that happened some years back, the, the, the amount of intensity, because air was low down there and there was a lot of desperate situations taking place that, are, um, that we were not experiencing, we would not experience above ground. But every miner who enters into a mine is very aware of the inherent risks that come with the job. The commitment that they made to their job is unbelievable. Now, what does that have to do with you and me today? As we begin part two of this series, Serpents and Doves, I want to talk for a few moments about what, what we, when we embrace the mission of Jesus, we make commitment to hazardous work. Hello? The truth is, when you follow Jesus, you make a commitment to hazardous work. It's not easy. Nor is it something that comes um, willy-nilly. It doesn't come without some sort of uh, complex persecution. Something that will draw you to try to be tempted to walk away from it. Our text this morning comes from Matthew chapter 10. And I want to bring a message entitled, Standing Firm. Standing Firm. As we read our text this morning, I want us to understand that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. I want us to keep in mind that Jesus is sending out his disciples. And he's sending out his disciples to do something. And that something is serve the community. He's calling them to serve the community by offering them something that they cannot get themselves. And that, my friend, is simply this, hope. Did you know that you can't find hope within yourself? Did you know that you cannot find hope within yourself? Because we were born with a sinful nature. We were born with this inherent idea that we know that we have messed up. And we also know that people can take our stuff. That's how come the first words we learn as a kid is what? No and mine. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, I still have it. I don't want to raise my hand. And don't ask me to. No. It's my hand. But this is truth, isn't it? As a kid, you don't have to teach someone to be selfish. You don't, how many of you have ever had to teach your child to be selfish? You, don't, you just don't. They naturally have this idea that this is mine. You can't have it. Why? Because I know that there's a threat for someone to take it. That's sinful nature, just in another version. 
Serving people, something that they get every day, isn't really serving. Serving people hope in which they can't get that every day. That, let me, let me tell you, friends, if you've ever prayed for someone and they look at you and they open their eyes again and they go, thank you for praying for me, that'll change your life. I want to pray for somebody else all of a sudden. I want to help somebody else in a, certain, in a difficult situation. Why? Because when you stand firm and you believe something and you lead someone to believe the same thing and you pray with them, wow, something happens inside your soul that your body doesn't understand. That your flesh doesn't understand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because your soul can rejuvenate you in ways that your flesh cannot. You're, when, you, when you feed your soul, when you feed your spirit, man, your flesh goes, what was that? Oh, selflessness. That's what that was. I don't know what that's like. Because your flesh is absolutely selfish. Your spirit, man, teaches you to be selfless. So what I'm saying is many are offering things today that you can find within yourself. Those self-help books, right? I'm not against self-help. I think we all need to help ourselves by making good decisions. Some of y'all got that. There's a self-help tip for you. You ready? Make good decisions. You're welcome. So I do believe in self-help, but I believe that we're also limited by our means. You cannot help yourself when you have not the ability to dig yourself out of the hole that sin has dug you in. Are you with me? Let me explain. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 begins again talking a little bit about standing firm. Matthew chapter 10 begins where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and in fact he's prepping them for their missionary journey right now. He, they're going out two by twos and, and he, Jesus sends this message to them and he tells them this. He says this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's not encouraging yet, Pastor Jesus. That's not encouraging yet. We haven't got to the encouraging part yet. The fact that he's sending you out as sheep among wolves. If you know anything about sheep and wolves, they don't exactly function the same way. Their aggression is not the same. But he understood that they're going out gentle. And so he preps their heart. And he says, therefore, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings and witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. And when they arrest you, did you hear that? When they arrest you. That's not encouraging, Pastor Jesus. And when they arrest you, do not worry about what you have to say or how to say it. At the time, you will be given what to say. Why? Why? We'll explain that in a minute. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Come on, somebody. In other words, don't overprepare because you, you have no idea what you're about to get into. How many of you guys, let me ask this question. How many of you guys ever prepared for something? You had a speech, you had it ready to go. And then when you are about to deliver it, everything changed about the scenario. Right? Maybe you prepared for a class or I know for me as a speaker, 
you know, uh, I'm invited to speak in different places. Sometimes I have my idea of what that's going to look like. And then I arrive there and it's nothing like they said or nothing like I imagined. Then you're like, "Uh uh-oh, everything I planned for. See, you can can over plan and under pray. Ain't that the truth? You can over plan and under pray because you're so good at planning. Right? I won't ask you to raise your hand if that's you. Because I've been there. I have over planned, showed up somewhere and be like, I was not ready for this. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus preps his crew by telling them this. Listen, my peoples, gather around. Let me tell you something. Don't worry. That alone will preach, right? Don't worry, right? But don't worry about what you're going to say because when it's time, the Spirit will give you what to say. So in other words, be more dependent on me than you are your gifts. Be more dependent on me than you are your plans. Oh my goodness. We've all been there, over plan, under pray. And then we're in a situation where we're not ready. Guess what? That doesn't give you the right to overpray which, uh, and underplan. Because you can't overpray. How many realize this is impossible to overpray? But what I'm trying to say is that doesn't give you the right to underplan either. Just don't let your plans override your prayer. I am still dependent on the Holy Spirit to give me the words to speak to you even even though I have pages and pages and pages of notes and for the next four hours I want to tell you what it means. Some of you knew it was coming too because that's not a new joke. It's okay. It's still new to you if you haven't heard it. What I'm saying is that no matter how much you pray That always has to be your dependence. And if you pray a little and plan a lot, you're depending on yourself more than you are God. And I'm going to, listen, listen, I'm going to call it like it is. You hear me, right? If you over prepare and under pray, that's your bad. We have to be careful. So he tells them, listen, don't worry about that right now. But the spirit of your father speaking through you will will come into pass. So watch this. Verse 21 and verse 22. This is my last two verses. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child and children rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated. Now listen, this is the the kicker right here because some of you have a real problem with this. Are you ready? You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I want to make this very clear. First of all, my message is called standing firm. But I want to make this again super clear. If you look at the end there, it says this, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Listen, it doesn't say those of you that work the hardest. Because that would work into the works theology. And here at Freedom and the Bible in its entirety declares this, you cannot earn your salvation by works. 
Okay? So no matter how good you think you are, no matter how many times you are consistent in church or inconsistent at church, at the end of the day, Standing firm on him is what's going to get you saved. Believing that he alone is your salvation. That's where you get your salvation from. Not by your works, but by standing firm on his promise for you. Somebody say amen. Someone once said this, you cannot prevent people from being our enemies, but we can prevent ourselves from being enemies toward others. Isn't that true? That's true. I cannot prevent people that don't like me. People that don't like me are not going to like me, no matter what I do. If they've made a choice not to like you, newsflash, they won't. If they've made a decision, and some of you know somebody like that, no matter what you do, they're just not going to like you. Why is that so much sweat off your brow? Why are you sweating such a thing? Jesus said you will have trouble. Persecution's going to come. Church, it's going to come. We have to just be ready for that. Someone won't like you. Someone won't like me. Someone won't like us. Someone won't come to this church because they don't like the sign outside. There's no cross on it. That can't be a Jesus church. They'll find anything not to like you. Even, Even if you are perfect... Like Jesus, they still didn't like him. So you will have persecution. Let's talk about verses 5 to 15 for a moment. Before we even read this passage, Jesus is commissioning them and he's sending them out the 12 apostles and he's telling them, listen, go preach the gospel. Hello? We talked about that last week. We talked about how important evangelism is, sharing our faith, how important that looks. And so they will face persecution. He told them, you will face persecution. He makes the situation clear. There are sheep, vulnerable like sheep. But then he says this. Watch this. He says, you're surrounded by wolves. What are wolves? They're aggressive animals. And he tells them, basically he tells them right off the bat, there's risk. There's risk. Likewise, we as believers have to realize that when we stand for Jesus, there's just some people that won't like you. And you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with that. Jesus uses two animals to describe, and I talked about this last week a little bit, and let me just kind of reiterate and kind of bring that back a little bit. He uses two animals in the scripture that are juxtaposed to each other. They're very, very different. And so we look at serpents who are shrewd creatures. They're expert at hiding and getting away. In different situations, they'll slip in and slip out. And Jesus tells them, in situations, you're going to need to slip in and slip out. But then he says this, as gentle as doves. What does that mean? Well, doves are gentle, yes, but they're peaceful creatures. The apostles are called to remain innocent and blameless. In fact, even when you're among the wolves, you're supposed to be like a dove. But that doesn't mean that you're not like the snake as well, who can slip through. So he says, listen, don't, that doesn't mean you're, you're a pushover, that people could just walk all over you, Right? You need to be able to slip in and slip out. How many times did Paul slip in and slip out of situations that got a little crazy? I mean, Jesus himself, he started preaching. He says, today, this prophecy, he read from the scroll of Isaiah, right? He read from the scroll of Isaiah, and they're standing. He says, he closes the scroll, and then while they're all standing there looking at him, he says, 
Today, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your ears. Hello, get your stone ready. Because they got mad, right? Not just mad, they got mad. They got so mad that they started shouting at him and he walked out. He said, slipped out. He's like, okay, it's time to go. Because I said what I had to say and they've, 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 they understood what I said and I'm going to move on. Can I tell you something? God is calling you to be wise of your situation. And you also need to be very careful in situations where you realize that you're casting your pearls among the swine. You know what? If somebody vexes you over and over again, are you getting what I'm saying right now? If someone vexes you over and they're poisonous to your life, guess what? God gave you the wisdom to move on. Move on. That's wisdom. I shouldn't have to say that. But some of you, but I, I'm praying for them. Pray for them from a distance. There's people that I've unfriended I'm still praying for. I don't want your mess on my feet. You got more drama in your life than I've had the last several years combined. And all they want to be is negative. And I realize that no matter how much positive I throw their way, they have made a decision to be the way they want to be. And if it starts to vex me, it's time for me to go. And you got to be okay with that. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't called some of you to stand firm in there as well. Not in situations that vex you, but some of you were built differently. Some of you were built differently and you can withstand more than others. And God has called you to be that person. And maybe that's you. Maybe it's not. But the type of hostility that Jesus was talking about in this passage, he says this, innocent as doves. That's a character issue. Innocence is a character issue. For instance, let's look at Polycarp for a moment. For those of you that know who Polycarp is, some of you may not. One of the most famous martyrs of the early church is Polycarp, the second century bishop of Smyrna. His martyrdom provided a helpful framework for people to think about their faith, but he also faced a lot of hostility. Upon learning that he was a wanted man, Polycarp prompted left town and hid it for as long as he could. And he continued to minister and minister until he was later found and martyred. This man lived for the cause. But he slipped through. He was the exact example that I'm talking about. He knew where he was no longer needed and he moved on. And he preached and he moved on. And they sought him and they sought him and finally they caught him. And you know what he said? Into your hands I commend my spirit. So what's interesting is Jesus tells the apostles to be the same way. In these verses that I'm about to read, that I just read actually, and I'm going to kind of highlight for a few moments. In these verses, Jesus points out several areas that you and I as believers, watch this. For those of you taking notes, write this down. There's a few things that God has called us to pay attention to. Number one, our commission. Everybody say our commission. It's our commission. Watch this. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. He's sending you out. Some of you have a mission and you know what that is. Some of you have a mission and you know what that is. You want to write this down. God has called us to pay attention to our commission. Maybe it's our as a church. Maybe it's ours as a church, right? Maybe you start there. 
But guess what? Eventually, he wants to pinpoint his commission for you. What he's called you to do specifically. I said this, I believe it was last week. I said this, if not last week, some other time. I said, when you come to Jesus, you may not have a mission in mind yet. So what do you do? You adopt somebody else's until God gives you yours. What does that mean? Do I have to be somebody else? I'm not, no, I'm saying come to the church, be a part of the fellowship, get with the body and say, Lord, I want to fulfill the mission of this church until I find what you've called me to do specifically. That doesn't mean I sit back and say, let them do ministry and let me just sit here and be fed and be fed and be fed. You know what happens to something that is fed and fed and fed and it never gets rid of the food? That thing is not just unhealthy, but it will damage everything about that body, right? So what is God calling you to do? He's calling you to be a part of something, to minister to somebody, persecution or not, minister to somebody. But guess what? I may not have a mission. I'm going to adopt the mission of the body in general until I find my own. Is this helpful? Because some of you are like, I don't know what God has called me to do. Well, guess what? Keep your hands busy until he tells you otherwise. Some people are like, I'm in a season of sitting. Yeah, that started like nine years ago. <laughs> You're no longer in a season. That's like, that's like a grave site. Hello? I'm in a season. A season? Somebody check the pulse. Jesus says this. Jesus says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. If you're a child of God, you're responsible to go forth and be a witness. Find a way to be a witness to somebody. Well, I don't know the Bible, Pastor Tony. That's okay. Share the love of God in one way or another with somebody. Share your testimony. How many know that you don't have to know what Matthew 7, 1 says to be a testimony? You, you know what you need to know? What did God do with you? You know what God did with me? Here's what I felt God did with me. That's a testimony, man. Nobody can stop that. That's an unstoppable force, your testimony. But know what that looks like. We're called to go forth and spread the good news. Somebody say our commission. Number two, our character. Our character. And this is where, now, this is where it gets interesting. Because he says, now, be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. I know that's the title of our series. I know I'm, I said it several times. But here's what we're talking about. Your character is, is seen by everybody, whether you acknowledge it or not. Did you know the people in your workplace, they know whether you are living this life or not? The moment you say you're a believer, they're dissecting you. Top to bottom. They're checking you out. What church you go to? Dear Lord, if you don't live, don't tell them where you go to church until you get this thing straight. Come on, somebody. Get you. Be like, you know what? I'll tell you in a couple of weeks when I get my life right. At least that admits some sort of repentance needed. No, I won't disown you. Maybe. So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is God has called you to live a life that's worth living if somebody duplicated it. Did you hear that? God is calling you to live a life that's worth living if someone chose to duplicate you. Some of you wouldn't duplicate you. 
if you could do it all over again? How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, man, I, I knew about Jesus for like 12 years, but I didn't follow him for like 11 and a half of those. So like if you had to duplicate you, you wouldn't. Someone says, be you. So I'm like, no, you don't know me. I don't want to even be me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But God has called you. Why? Because you have a character issue there and you know it. And so God is saying, listen, you can be smart, but you got to be harmless in that same character. So watch what I'm talking about here. You know two truths that have hurt the church? Are you ready for this? Two truths that have hurt the church. Remaining silent when you're supposed to speak and speaking when you're supposed to remain silent. Not only that, the second part, much damage has been done to the testimony of the church because professing Christians have not possessed the gen gentle nature. Have you ever seen somebody proclaiming, okay, I got to use air quotes, proclaiming Jesus, but they are so hate-filled that you're like, that does not represent me. Anybody ever seen someone like that? And you're going, that's not me. And they don't go to my church. <laughs> that's not what we believe. We don't believe like that. And maybe we believe that, but we don't believe in talking to people like that. We don't believe disrespecting people like that. How many know that I, can, I don't have to believe exactly like you believe, but I can still love you right where you're at? I don't have to believe just like you to love you. I have people that live lives that are contrary to the word of God and I love them and I don't love them any less that have, whether it's alternative lifestyles or whatever it may, may be, this, that, and the other, I love them just the same. We don't have to agree and see eye to eye for me to love them. God gave me two responsibilities, to love God and love people, love God and love people, love God and love people. That's my job. Everything else, let God sort out. Love God and love people. That's my job. Everything after that is extracurricular. But, but for some reason in this generation that we live in today, if I believe differently than you, somehow that's the enemy. No. You can believe your beliefs and I believe mine, but guess what? I can still love you. And I do. Come on, somebody. So what happens is people all of a sudden, much damage has been done to the church because why? Because they haven't had the harmless as doves. They forgot the harmless as doves. They're slick like a serpent. And they have a quick tongue like a serpent. But they forgot the harmless as doves part. And that has hurt the church. Church, are you hearing me? That has hurt the church. Let's stop it. Let's stop right now. Philippians tells us this, chapter 2, verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. What is he talking about? When you love in a crooked world, it's going to shine. When you love the unlovable in a crooked world, it's going to shine. Shine how? It's going to shine like stars in the sky that are light years away and you can still see it 
from the back porch. Why? Because that light is so bright. So, so bright. We must be vigilant and stand for Jesus. Stand for truth and know that when you stand for truth, look at me church, people won't like you, period. Third is our commitment. Say our commitment. Our commitment, what is he talking about? Verse 22, here it is. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Not because of how you dress, not because of where you attend church. Not, it's because of me, period. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus reveals that the Christian life is simply this. A simple life without persecution is not a life of impact. You're, if you're doing something right, you will have some turmoil. If you have no turmoil, guess what? There's a good chance that you're not even a threat. Can I say that again? And maybe I'll get two more amens and I'll leave it at that. If you live your life where nobody is combating you or speaking against you, there's a good chance that you're not a threat to anything the enemy is doing in this world. That's why we're asking you to pray for our leaders. Whether it's our governmental leaders, that God will help them, and this church leadership. We need your prayers. Pastor Alicia will tell you. Pastor Christian will tell you. Uh, all of, everyone will tell you. Continue to pray for Pastor, uh, you know, Christian and his family. As a man that's kind of re recuperating. His, pray for them. Because the enemy would love to attack from the top down and filter to discourage you and bring disunity. How many know that's true? The enemy doesn't create. He just, he just tries to replicate and counterfeit as much as he can. You will be hated. So let me ask you this question. What would it take for you to abandon serving the Lord? Some of you have thought about this and you thought, never, never, I don't want that to ever happen because if that was to happen, I, I don't know that I could serve God anymore. Some of you never thought about that question, period. Either one, whoever it is this morning, what would, what would be the deal breaker? Look at me, everyone, look at me. What would be the deal breaker for you? I'm talking to you now, I'm talking to you. What would be the deal breaker? And you have to tell yourself what that is and be honest with God today. If there's nothing, then you know what? I dare you to tell him, nothing on this earth will separate me from you. That's what brings you to a place of conviction. Because you could change your beliefs, but it's not as easy to change your convictions. Right? Someone could change your mind and your belief system. Oh, well, you know, I didn't see it that way. All of a sudden you change, you tweak your beliefs a little bit. My beliefs are not like it was when I was 16 years old. I came to the Lord when I was 15 years old. I got, you know, hand of God in my life early at 16 years of age. I went to Bible college at 18. Trust me, I don't believe like I did when I was 15, 16, and 18. I don't. Because I've experienced so much more. And I realize the closer I get to him, the more sweeter his voice is. And the sweeter his voice is, the more tender I can understand the things he's teaching. And the more closer, the more time I spend with him, I realize there's some things that I deem are more important than he does. Guess what? You know what I had to come to grips with as a pastor? It doesn't matter how you come dress to church. Some days I want to wear a tie, some days I don't. Some people think that that's how God listens to you. 
and you laugh, but there's people, literally, if you wear certain clothes, God won't listen to you. The church will shun you. If you show up with shorts or a suit, it don't matter to me. I'm, I'm excited that you're here. Some days I show up decked out, got the tie. Some of you are like, Pastor Tony, what's the special occasion? I'm like, I felt like it. Other days I want to wear jeans. Some days flip-flops. But I won't do that one. That's just too far for me. Right? So what I'm saying is there came a point in my life where I had to say, what is really important and what's the main thing that I bring my heart to him every single day? Every day I bring my heart to him. When you're walking through these doors every day, when you're walking through these doors every Sunday or every, whatever day you walk into, you walk in, are you preparing yourself to hear from God? Because the enemy is preparing to distract you. Are you prepared? He's prepared to distract you. Make no, make no mistake. He's already prepared a distraction for you. You have to decide whether or not you're going to be distracted. You have to make that choice. We face very little intense persecution in America today. We want to call it persecution if somebody unfriends us on Facebook. I've been persecuted, Pastor Tony. I lost four followers this week. Well, maybe you don't need them in your life. Thank Jesus for that. Some bless you when they come. Others bless you when they go. Come on, somebody. Okay, that was not in my sermon notes. I apologize. Just, we'll edit that in post. James 1.12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised them who love him. Guess what? From day one, church, listen to me. From day one, generations of believers have lived in a day of opposition. The church was born out of opposition. The church flourished under opposition. Why do we run from it? It is what made the church great. So what am I saying to you today? Following Jesus is different. There's a difference between being a servant and a volunteer. A volunteer is still in control of their own time. I mean, know what I'm talking about. A volunteer is in charge of their own time. They can choose to up and lead. That's volunteer. But a servant says, I will do God's will and help the needs of others. And I realize large 90%, 95% of the ministry that happens here is volunteer. You could choose to walk away or you could choose to dig your heels in and serve with us. No matter what the persecution says, no matter what happens in your week, I had a rough week, Pastor Tony, but today's a new day. Today's a new day. You want to talk about persecution? Acts chapter 20. Paul says, I am now compelled by the Spirit. And compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. You can read on. He says, I only know that in every city when I preach, imprisonment and hardships face me. But he's compelled by the Spirit to go there. Some people may be like, Paul, you're listening to the wrong Spirit. Because God doesn't want hardship for you. Where do you find that in the Bible? 
Where do you find that God doesn't want hardship for you? You will have hardship. You will have persecution. Does he want it for you? He doesn't want it, but he knows it's coming. And so what we realize is, I consider my life worth nothing. Does that sound awfully familiar? That sounds a lot like the church of Jesus Christ. Or at least it should be. My life is worth nothing to me. I only aim to finish the race and complete it. The task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And I'm going to close with this thought here. Two days after Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, lecturer at Berlin University, took, the ra- took to the radio and he denounced the Nazi leadership and the principle that strengthened Hitler's dictatorship. Bonhoeffer, for those of you that don't know, Bonhoeffer's broadcast was cut off before he could finish. Shortly thereafter, he moved to London to pastor a German congregation. Bill, you can hit that there. While also giving support to the church movement in Germany. See, he was a part of a church in Germany. And so as he was still doing the work, he was going to and from, finding where he could bring the gospel to people. Bonhoeffer returned to Germany in 1935 to run a seminary, which he ran for a few years until it was shut down in 1937. Bonhoeffer continued continued on, and so in fact, the Nazi policies resulted in him losing his freedom to lecture and publish. They stopped him from speaking. They did everything they can to stop him from speaking. Bonhoeffer, in April 1943, shortly after becoming engaged to be married, Bonhoeffer was arrested by the Gestapo. Evidence implicating him in the plot to overthrow the government became, came to light, and the court marched, and he was court-martialed and sentenced to die. While in prison, he acted as a counselor and pastored the prisoners, even in his cell. He was doing the work of God. Bonhoeffer later, his letters and papers from prison were published posthumously. And he wrote one of the most famous books. If you've never read it, you need to read it. The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This man embodied what it means to live for Jesus, even through the darkest of times. He left this earthly life, but not without leaving his thumbprint on people. Friend, some of you in this room have a call on your life to evangelize, to love, to honor, to bring grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to other people, but you haven't tapped into it because of fear of being inadequate. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever felt inadequate? Like you felt like you were not worthy. Anybody ever felt like that? Hold it high because I need us all to see how we all felt like this. Look around the room. Hold your hand up high and look around the room. We've all in some way, shape, or form, I felt inadequate. Listen, can I tell you, can I speak honestly? As your pastor, sometimes I feel inadequate. I honestly do. Because I realize I'm going to fail some of you. I'm not perfect. And it hurts me that I, I can't be there for everybody all the time. But I know God has put some wonderful leaders around us to be able to help other people. But I have my own inadequacies. And I just share that with you for one reason. Not so you feel bad for me, but so that you realize that your feeling inadequate is normal. We all naturally feel inadequate. But I want you to know something. There are times I bet Dietrich Bonhoeffer felt inadequate. Why do I keep getting thrown in jail? 
I'm sure not as slick as Jesus told me to be, right? I can't slip out as quickly. But his character shined even in the jail cell. That just shows us in scripture, even Joseph, right? Joseph shined in the jail cell. So whatever it is that you find yourself in today, know that you can shine for Jesus today. You really can. You can shine to know him better. Shine the light of Jesus, even through the darkest of persecution. America, we might very well be embarking on a persecution at some point, but today, it doesn't matter. Choose today. Nothing else will separate me from the love of God. So nothing else will separate me from God in general. Amen? Come on, bow your heads with me all across this room. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that there is no life outside of you because you are life eternal. Thank you that there's no other great options out there. That is only one way, one truth, one life, and that's Jesus Christ. Father, we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we may put other people's needs as a very, very important part of our lives. May we share the love of Jesus with those around us, whether it's school or at work, maybe at a lunch break with a coworker. Whatever that looks like, Jesus, I pray. May we live this life that we claim we love, that life with Jesus. Help us to stand firm, God. When everything else comes against us, help us to stand firm. In the darkest and the heaviest of times, we love you today. We declare your goodness. We declare your grace. We declare your promises in our lives, but not for us so that we can pass it on to somebody else. The love of Jesus, we pray in your name.